Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures, an early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Josh Chapman. Josh is the co-founder and managing partner of Convoy Ventures, an early stage venture fund focused on investing in the global video game industry. And the best part is they do it all from right here in Denver, Colorado. They started in 2020 and already are on their third fund, having raised $150 million for that third vehicle last summer. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Love to hear a little bit about what you're building with Convoy. Yeah. So we are an early stage venture capital firm based here in Denver, Colorado. We invest in seed and series A companies writing one to $5 million checks. We had an additional fund one of 11 million, fund two was 65 and fund three is 150. So we're now at the earliest start of investing out of this $150 million fund. But all we focus on, what separates us from other VCs in Colorado, is we only focus on video gaming, specifically technologies and platforms around game. How'd you first into the gaming world and decide to start a fund? Yeah, so I grew up in Africa, Latin America, and Asia, playing video games my whole life. Video games were always a part of throwing Halo land parties at my house, playing in smoky internet cafes, playing Counter-Strike and, and StarCraft back in Bolivia and Costa Rica, where I used to live as a kid. And so gaming to me was always community. I then went and worked in finance at the start of my career at BlackRock and Morgan Stanley. I was trying to figure out a way to merge these two interests. And so back in 2016, 2017, we started working on this idea of, hey, video gaming should probably have some dedicated investment management, especially at early stage. Around this, at the time, there was almost no one doing it. Now there's a cohort doing it, and we're one of those cohorts. How has the landscape evolved? I mean, do you find yourself mostly working with other investors who are video game focused like you, or is it more generalist funds that have a video game partner or a segment to what they're doing? At the early stage, we're mainly working with groups that are more focused like we are. Either they're focused on, call it emerging tech or media and entertainment or video gaming specifically. And so those three are sort of the groups that we would interact with a lot. When As the companies go up to late A, B, C, that's when generalist firms that have dedicated strategies to gaming or to call it emerging consumer or media and entertainment more focused, that's when they start getting involved. And that's when we start encountering groups like Lightspeed, Andreessen, General Catalyst, Graycroft, and the like. Got it. That's cool. Cool. Well, we could spend another hour on this next topic, but just real brief, what are the couple, one or two trends you're most excited about investing behind right now in, in the video game space? There's really two trends that are most exciting to us right now. One is we think that XR, which is sort of the branching term behind AR, augmented reality, and VR, virtual reality, those sort of combined into XR. Basically, all these VR headsets are coming to fruition. And then we also have Apple Glasses and Google Glasses that are sort of on the horizon. We think that the infrastructure and the technology around 3D spatial analytics, as well as uh, 3D asset creation within virtual worlds, is being built right now in anticipation of consumer adoption. And so I think we're investing, 
we are investing with the view that in two to five years, this is going to hit in some statistically relevant form. Not everyone using Google Glasses or VR, but enough where it'll become prevalent, sort of looking at historically the adoption of the mobile phone and, and other hardware over the last you know four decades is that it takes a while for this to get going. Once it does, though, it starts ramping up. So we're really investing in the back end of XR right now. The second part that we're really excited about is user-generated content or UGC, which is essentially these worlds like Fortnite Creative or Roblox that are these open world economies where anyone can play a game and then anyone can build a game and they rev share within that economy. This is an emerging trend in gaming that is creating not only amazing entertainment experiences and engaging consumer experiences, but also a way of living for the people that are creating games and rev sharing off of it. So people are literally quitting their jobs or their this is their first job. A lot of these creators are between the ages of 17 and 26 years old. And so they're making a living off of building games that they ref share off of. And we think that we're going to see more Roblox, Fortnite's, Minecraft's emerge, probably another 10 to 15 more in the next few years. So we love this whole theme because it's it's almost like what e-commerce did with Shopify is it created a, or Etsy, right? It created this opportunity for people to sort of be their own boss and start a business store online. And these virtual worlds are very similar. Josh, I think if you told me when I was 13 or 14 that I could make some money making my own video games at that time full time, I don't know if I would have gone to school. So maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> good thing I wasn't around at that point. That sounds fantastic. One question on the XR dynamic, right? That's been something that people have been talking about for, I mean, almost the better part of a decade of it's right around the corner, right around the corner. Is there something that you're looking for that's going to, we're going to reach some point with technology or otherwise it's going to catalyze like this is the moment that this really takes off? So the catalyst is mainly being driven by the largest corporate balance sheets out there, Apple, Google, Meta, right, moving into this. They are the ones that are taking the financial hit to get these pieces of hardware to market. And that's a really important moment that we've been watching and looking for. Right now, they're really ramping up a lot of investment around even Sony's PlayStation VR headset is looking amazing. Meta's Oculus Quest 2 is fantastic. Their latest headset, we just bought it and have it here in the office. This stuff is getting really, really cool and really, really powerful for very specific use cases, not for everything, right? I think a lot of people have a use case in mind when they're thinking about whether VR is for them. And usually the answer is no, it's not a fit for whatever you're thinking about yet, but it is for something else, right? Especially remote healthcare and digital therapy over the web, especially for even things like working out. It's actually starting to get really interesting, some game experiences, et cetera. So we have watched the corporate investment from these largest companies in the world as an indication that this is coming, not like this year or next year, but this is ramping now in a way that it wasn't five, seven, 10 years ago when people, to your point, Adam, have been talking about this, but 50X, 20X, 30X, the amount of investment going on right now. So it's a little- That makes makes sense. Well, something to look forward to for sure. So Josh, I think, you know, there hasn't been a real active video game startup space here in Colorado relative to some other parts of certainly the local economy, but even other markets. What's it been like to build a gaming focused fund here without having tens or or hundreds of successful video game startups around? Yeah. It means I usually have to get on a plane a little bit more, Adam. So I usually get on a plane and spend more time in places like LA or New York or London or San Francisco, obviously. But a lot of business has been done remotely. What we started doing, and I'm so glad we started doing this about nine, nine to 12 months ago, as things became much more open and more travel friendly, 
is we are now making every team that we invest in fly here to Denver and we take them out for dinner and we'll cover their hotel, maybe their flights as well. And this is a cost that we are investing in as a firm is saying this in-person component's really, really significant and we we need it to happen. And so, you know, I don't know what our hit rate is, but sometimes we invest after that and sometimes we don't, right? So it's a, yes, it's a cost of time and, and to do that from the founders that fly here, but they actually really love, they love this and they appreciate it. The ones who aren't open to that, I think it's sort of correlated to, that's not a group we really want to work with. But this is an added challenge that I've had to navigate as a GP here in Colorado that you all and other Colorado-based VCs, you get coffee in Boulder or Fort Collins or Colorado Springs or Denver and that's much easier. But that's the way we're tackling it. Hopefully I have an improvement on that model over the next 12 months, but it's working pretty well right now. So, Are you seeing anything locally in the video game space? Is there any chance that that becomes one of the components of the type of businesses we see here? Or you know, is Colorado ever really going to have that piece of the equation? There are a few studios here that have exited out of Boulder, a couple in Denver that are sort of existing right now, but this isn't really the center of the video game creative founder space. People usually are here for a living choice. It's sort of like a personal choice to live here or build their company here. So there's a few studios in Colorado that have done pretty well, but I'm not seeing any ramp of video game innovation or a surge of video game founders based here. And so I think we'll continue to invest around the country as well as the globe. So we have, I think, 70% of our investments in North America, another 20% in Europe. And then we have ones in Singapore, Vietnam, and South Africa. And so we're investing kind of all over the place. We've only made one investment in Colorado so far. And so we're excited to finally get that over the finish line. But it took us a while to find the right fit for us. Yeah. Well, we're obviously hoping that even if video games doesn't become one of the, the key parts of the tech industry here, that at least there's enough that one day we can work together with you on a deal. So that's that's the hope one day. <laughs> Absolutely. I, if you'll let me in, Adam. I mean, you guys are kind of a top tier group here. So yes, hopefully there's room. <laughs> We're, we're working on it, working on it. Thanks, Josh. But I know you've got one company here. You are plugged in broadly to the ecosystem, even if not video games. What's a company locally that you are pretty excited about right now, even if not in, in your space? So I'll speak about the one that we know best, which is Afference. So Afference came out of sort of a research side, which I love the research side coming out of education. Jacob and Dustin building this company, Afference, is really cool. So the whole idea is that there's a, going to not only be gloves, but also smaller devices, like even a ring that'll be on your hand that will give you a sensation in virtual reality. So when you're touching a wall, it'll send small electrical signals that are safe for the human body, but it'll make it feel like you're actually touching a wall. Of course, you could punch through that wall because it's virtual, but this idea around immersive experiences need other pieces of hardware on you that are going to augment this experience. I think the idea of people wearing full body suits in the future of virtual reality is just, that's not going to be a thing. That's nobody wants to do that around putting on VR headsets and Google glasses. But this company could be a category changing piece of technology in a similar way that the Oculus headset was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, in the same way that the Steam Deck with the sort of, or like even the Switch, right, that people are walking around with, that's a a category changing piece of hardware, this could be a similar improvement on the experience that is going to eventually every VR manufacturer in the world of which there's, you know, 10 to 15 of them right now, not just Oculus, there's a lot long tail here. They're going to want this internally, either as a third party service provider or as a, as a full on acquisition. And so we think this team has a very bright future and 
We're excited to keep working with them to sort of walk them into the gaming industry. And they had a very successful GDC, so which is the Game Developers Conference out of San Francisco. So that's probably the local company I know the most about and the most in the flow with right now. Fantastic. That's awesome. Wish them well. Sounds super exciting. We've, we met the team, really, really smart team. So glad that you're behind them as yeah. well. So Josh, I want to shift topics a little bit to why we're here, which is to hear from you. You've got a ton of experience in a bunch of different companies, building a firm from nothing to 150 million latest fund. If you had to say, what's what's your biggest lesson you've learned in, in your career so far? It's a great, great question, Adam. I, I love the premise of, of kind of getting this, getting this podcast centered around this. My biggest lesson is as a founder of a firm, you have to make a lot of decisions really quickly early on and, and still today that are daily, right? From operations to everything. And so it gets you into this mentality of having to make hard decisions or big decisions pretty quickly because you have so many of them to make. How are we going to set the firm up? Who are we going to hire? What are we going to do? What's our strategy? What's our investment strategy? And then all the ops behind it. And it builds up into a fast decision-making process or coming to a conclusion too quickly is something that can become a liability in the boardroom of the companies that I sit on. And so this was a lesson I learned, still am learning, is don't walk into a board meeting with a pre-gone conclusion about what's going to happen, or don't walk into a board meeting being like, I reviewed the deck, here's my opinion, here's my view, here's my vote or my thought to the group, right? I did that for a while, and I think it was a mistake, and I thought it was a sign of, hey, you're busy, I'm busy, let's make a decision, let's move on. It started to occur to me that I wasn't hearing about the unknown unknowns and the unknown factors of what was driving this. Is the founder okay? What's going on in their life that's driving this decision? What do the other shareholders think? How will this impact future raises or acquisitions? How will this impact team culture? And so I wasn't asking enough questions. And so in short, Adam, I was walking in with, here's my opinion, thinking that was best for the company. And I've now shifted to, in all the boards that I'm on, I think I'm on seven right now, is ask a lot of questions and give your opinion right at the end of a board meeting because you still have to give an opinion. But don't give it at the front. Ask a ton of questions. Be silent. Be quiet. Invite others in the room into the conversation. And silence sometimes goes a lot further than rattling off an opinion, even if it's a qualified opinion. And I think that that is a lesson I learned and looking back, gave some bad advice too quickly without thinking it fully through in a board meeting that I should have just been more patient, silent, quiet, ask a lot of questions, and then give an opinion about an hour to an hour and a half in. So I think that's probably my biggest lesson as a GP because, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest lesson. Have you found that you often actually end up with a different opinion by the, at the end once you've heard all the context than you did walking in? Is that what kind of made this switch for you? I think 50% of the time, my opinion would change, which gave me a real red flag or a little real flag to me of, wow, you got to really think this through more, uh, Josh, right? I like talking to myself. And the other 50%, my opinion was unchanged, but my delivery was softer or stronger than it would have been at the start, right? So I think there's moments of strength and hard decision-making and firmness, and then there's moments of hey, really rely on the qualitative side of this and go softer into this because there's other factors you've learned through the questioning part. Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Who do you want to hire next? How does this investor feel? What are the implications of this? Have you thought through a plan for this? So yeah, I think that's kind of 50% I've changed my mind. 
50%, my delivery was better. And that was a huge level up for me personally as a VC that wants to be value add. And, and we all claimed like, oh, we're value add. But I, I really, I think I was good, not great. And now I think I'm working towards trying to become a great board member. And I think over time, hopefully I can achieve that. But I think it's a long process to, I think, become a great board member. So, Do you think some of this comes from, understandably, you're early in your career as a VC, you get on your first board, your second board, you're a new fund, you haven't really gotten your name out there yet, and you want to show, hey, founder, you made a really good decision, right, in going with me, and I'm going to show you how value-add I am right away. Was there some of that as you've kind of proven yourself more as a fund, you feel like you could take your time? I think absolutely. I think that really speaks to, oh, let's call it what it is, a little bit of insecurity as a as a newer firm, right, and newer to the game and haven't done this as long and all those kinds of things. And I think getting over that insecurity is a personal journey for every GP at any level, but definitely as a, a newer firm, right, and with a lot to prove. And so thinking that strength or value add comes in a delivery mechanism that wasn't actually the best for the company, right? Which is what we're all here for. Actually, what's best for the company. And I think over time, as we're more established, I can almost breathe a little bit more and be like, okay, let's, we don't have to prove anything. We don't, I've sort of uh, muscled down that insecurity and gotten over that. Let's really think about what's best here. And if the answer is, I have no idea what you should do, founder, Mr. and Mrs. Founder, that's great, right? That's fine. I can think about it later. And I think I've gotten to the point of confidence in what we've built and what we're building that I can tell them, I don't know, and I'll come back to it. Whereas I think we all say, if you don't know, just say you don't know. But in practice, we rarely do that, right? We're always like, oh, I have an opinion, right? Because I've seen a thousand deals this year and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that's a really astute observation, Adam. I think that's absolutely what was happening. Can you think of, a, was it, I don't know if there was a specific meeting or board or moment where you kind of had this revelation, something didn't go well. I mean, can, can you think back? Is there a certain time? One of our companies, what immediately comes to mind when you ask that is one of our companies was finding great success. They were going from seven figures in ARR to more than seven figures, and they were kind of ramping, right? And a few very significant decisions started happening at the board level. And it gave me pause that whatever I say next or however I vote on this, is going to impact a lot of things. of The lives of the employees, the founder's focus. Not that a board member had any veto vote. We don't have a veto vote or anything. But it was one of five votes on the board, and it was going to be very significant. And I sat there and I thought, this is a moment of take this extremely seriously. Not that I wasn't beforehand, but it sort of dawned on me that this is going to have ramifications for the company. This could put the company's runway at risk or be the smartest thing we do, which could result in people getting laid off if this doesn't go well, which could result in people missing their mortgages or having to find a new job. Significant ramifications. And I think I, it hit me that what we decide to do next in the best interest of the company is very significant. Think about it. Ask a few more questions before you give your opinion. And I think in that moment, I leveled up. And I think if life is a bunch of moments, I was improving and I leveled up in that moment and now I've just been improving since then. And I'm excited for the next flexion point up, which hopefully is, you know, doesn't come at the cost of anyone else. But yeah, I can, I remember that. I think that's really, that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense, right? You were a little bit, had some of that insecurity I think we all have or anybody has when they're starting a new thing 
and you think about it much more of it's maybe a little more academic, it's a little more problem solving. And then you have this moment of, oh my gosh, this has this is a big decision that's affecting a ton of other people's lives. Maybe my knee jerk on that, maybe it's correct, but it might not be, right? And, yeah. and let's take some time. That makes it that makes a ton of sense, Josh. That's pretty great to have that self, I think, self-recognition and experience. Yeah, I think a lot of venture capital is being just self-aware. And I think I've tried to be self-aware walking into different decision moments and being like, am I stressed right now? Am I frustrated about com- something completely different? Am I too relaxed? Did I get a good night's sleep? There's so many factors that come into good decision-making around things that require your full best self, right? And I think that self-awareness as a VC, given the millions of dollars that we manage into these companies, the board seats we have, the founder relationships we have, working with them on far more than just a business. Usually how's your family? How's your partner? Like what's going on? And all these things, it's sort of a holistic experience that requires a lot of you. And when part of you is frustrated or mad about something else or frazzled or tired, or you just got off a flight at 1am here in Denver or something like that, pause and, and really think about what decision we're making next. And even in investment decisions, we've made a, a sort of rule of we're going to take 24 hours to think about this. If there's we're coming up to the end of the meeting. We need to make a decision right now. If we're still a little unstable, we're just going to email the founder or someone else. We need 24 hours. We understand the deal dynamics. We understand what's happening. But I personally need 24 hours to make a decision here, yes or no. And if that kills the deal, so be it. But hopefully it doesn't. And I think we're getting okay living with that. I think that's great. We've, we try to do the same thing, Josh. And oftentimes, Chris and I will have a call in the morning. It's okay. How you feel after sleeping on that? Same as yesterday, different, right? And I love it. it can go either way. <laughs> it can go either way. So totally agree with that. Well, Josh, this is great. Fantastic lesson. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Where can our listeners follow along with what you guys are up to with Convoy? So the primary way to hear from us is we send out a weekly newsletter on Fridays about video gaming. You can go on our website at convoy.vc. That's K-O-N-V-O-Y.vc. You can sign up there. It's right on the homepage. That's the best way to stay in touch with our firm. The secondary way is you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Josh Chapman, type in Convoy, pop up, shoot me a DM. Those are probably the two best ways. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. 